Jeff, 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 Jeff. Jeff Stein is our national and presidential expert and noted author. You can find his books over at Next Chapter Books, TotallyIowa.com, the Iowa Business Report, and the Iowa Politics Report. Come to us from KXEL in Cedar Falls, Waterloo, where Jeff is on the phone. By the way, I should mention to a lot of people, it sounds like Facebook is down. I can't pull it up. Dr. Joe can't pull it up. Uh, Brett is apparently lost there with uh, on Facebook. So Jeff is joining us. You're on the phone from Iowa, correct? I am, and uh, Facebook is indeed dead. Long live yes. Facebook. <laughs> that was so. uh, that was smart money was on Twitter going down, but uh, apparently Facebook. I'm not sure what <laughs> happened there. Any ideas? Have they announced why Facebook is down? Well, you see, we have an issue here because there's a construction project in uh, the downtown where I'm at, a block away, and that has caused some intermittent power outages. And so we've got a huge generator on the back of our building, and so things are on and off, on and off. So I thought that's what it was at first. But now everything else I have is back except, as we like to call it, the Facebook. So I have no idea. Maybe I'll look at Twitter to see what happened to Facebook. (laughs) I'm not sure exactly. I will will say this. It's nice (laughs) to hear that you have, like, one electrical outlet in your town. Nice. (laughs) And a drop cord that actually connects to the neighboring city. So we're draining (laughs) off of them. Joke's on them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Take that, Decora. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so uh, I know how, you had... This is how St. Paul has been kept afloat for years, isn't it? Just well, plugging those... into Minneapolis power. What happens is you get on those St. Paul roads, you can't find your way around, you end up just sticking around over there. Plus, there are some very nice <laughs> coffee shops and bars over there, so it's it's easy to see why. St. Paul is delightful. Paul, yeah. I love I love, I love love both towns. <laughs> uh, so here's the deal. I want to talk... You didn't catch the Biden State of the Union speech last night. I imagine you've read about it a little bit today. I, I made this point. What seems to... he In my mind, what he seemed to have done last night is show his hand that... Okay, granted, he had to deal with the pandemic, other issues, but his entire presidency has been about winning back the blue-collar voter for the Democrats. He has, if you look at his litany of past bills, that's very heavy theme that goes through all of them. And last night he talked about the working class. That's who that cat is. And he's, you know, there, there's like a, you know, there clearly is a theme to his presidency that it's time to basically bring the blue collar worker back within the Democratic fold. I think that that was kind of the main message I took away from that. And when I kind of realized it, I was like, wow, he actually is doing pretty good at this. Well, how is it that Donald Trump got elected? Because lots of disenfranchised blue-collar voters didn't like their lot in life and said, how bad can it be with this guy? And so that was the crossover that helped bring Trump across the finish line. Mm-hmm. Uh, they certainly did not have any love for Hillary Clinton, and so that's what elevated Trump to the presidency. Now, Biden has this problem. I think it's a problem be- for, for a reason that I'll explain in a moment. Every time he talks about jobs, he talks about good union jobs. The problem with that is, as unions become less of a political force, he risks alienating others. Yes, if he can increase the number of union jobs, that might help restore political clout for unions. That has simply diminished because of the lack of union jobs. I think he needs to be a little broader if he wants to bring this working class up, because I think some people... Uh, in the working class, have skepticism about unions. Well, 
Well, but I mean, I'm going to—I'll throw that back. Your your argument is basically he shouldn't just focus on the unions, but the unions are the people that are out there helping campaigns, and those are the ones. I mean, you know, non-unionized workers can make individual campaigns, can volunteer volunteer on their own individual nature, or might be part of some trade group that might be there. But really, the bread and butter of that is, of course, you know, when it comes to elections and campaigns and helping out politics, it's unions that do help that out. In the same side, as I'll go to the other side, Republicans talk about tax cuts for the wealthy, tax cuts for the wealthy, tax cuts for the wealthy. It's not like they're going out there. They know they're talking when they say that they're giving tax cuts. I mean, you know, Warren Buffett even said, you know, for God's sakes, raise my taxes. I can pay more taxes. They don't care. They know that even though that message doesn't resonate with some of those people, that's where they're going with it. So it's it's kind of more. And the people that do like that message with the Republicans will throw billions of dollars into their campaign. So it's 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 basically if we're looking at it that way, I don't know if that's necessarily a bad play. It's just playing to where in the games of politics, that's that's where the bread and butter is at. We have never had fewer union members in this country than we do right now. That's a statistic. And so I think he can walk and chew gum. I think he can push the unions to become stronger. But I think that his focus is so narrow because it goes back to everything that he has uh, espoused for his 60 years in public life that he can't pivot. And I think a pivot is going to be necessary for the next election cycle. I, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with your point about why it is important to have unions out there mobilizing the vote. I'm just saying it's not as big a force percentage-wise as it used to be. Well, but at the same time, unions actually have picked up membership in the last year. It's actually grown. Um, and so it's I'm not saying it hasn't been down. It has been down, especially since the 60s and 70s. And that's by the because the Republicans wanted to kill mm. off the unions. Yeah, they have. Well, I have, actually, I have different numbers because I did a whole piece on the fact that it was never lower than in the most recent study of, of unions. But again, well, you got to have a broad tent. And so that's fine. I'm just saying I think he needs to needs to pump that a little broader or else it, it's not enough. Let's put it this way. It's not enough to just uh, cater to the unions. They definitely are forming unions up here now. I will say that. Uh, Biden, he, he, he's gone out there. But, I mean, that, that aside, mm-hmm. he's got a populist message. And no matter – I have yet to – I mean, outside of Newsbacks and OAN and some guys on Fox News, I've not seen too many people who have come on out there and said, oh, no, Biden really didn't have a good message. Most people said, indeed, Joe Biden won the night last night. See, I think the State of the Union, just like candidate debates, are completely irrelevant because what you're going to have is predictable responses from all sides. And it just doesn't seem to to resonate. It doesn't, you know, nobody's listening. See, this is the thing. Nobody is really listening. And so it's just a very predictable response on all, on all counts, and that's why... You know, as I say, um, I, I might care about a primary candidate debate, you know, the good old inter-party, you know, scrum, but I've sworn off general election debates. This thing is, is nothing more. You know, you've got the White House officials who say we'd really like to not have to do such a big deal, but no president wants to trim it back because it's their moment in the spotlight, and that is a bipartisan thing. That's not a Biden thing. It's not a cut against Biden, but they love the whole scene but from a policy standpoint from a, an actual you know check the laundry list the next year and see how we did eh, you know it's uh, go watch hgtv you'll be better for it 
Well, I, I will say this. Biden played them like a freaking fiddle. I mean, he knew when he when he said that line about, you know, the, the people and he very clearly said not all people, some people on the right want to get rid of Social Security, Medicaid, Medicare. And they are they, all the Republicans started screaming it. Now, one, they need to go talk to Rick Scott and Ron Johnson, who have both come on out to talk about we need to cut Medicaid, Medicare and trim them down. So that is indeed who has talked about it. Republicans have indeed brought this up. They all said that. But what then Biden did was a bit of political masterpiece theater where he basically said, all right, so we're all going to commit right now. We're not going to cut Social Security, Medicaid and Medicare. Now, granted, that's not a binding agreement. But all of a sudden you have Republicans having to stand up saying, yay, we're not going to touch Social Security, Medicaid and Medicare. Now, they might still do it, but it's, you know, but all of a sudden Biden takes the advantage puts it out there that he's the unifying factor and basically reluctantly Republicans go up and say, yes, we're not going to touch Medicaid, Medicare, Social Security. Biden, as much as you know, a lot of people don't like him. The reality is the dude knows how to play a crowd. And, and he, he actually played those guys like a fiddle to get the, he, that he had to have known they were going to react that way. And he had planned that comeback and he, he pulled it off. No politician goes to that stage without rehearsed comebacks. Yes, exactly. And the one trap that was laid was that Kevin McCarthy has now had to come out and declaratively state that Social Security and Medicare are off the table. And all of the right-wing media is bringing up the Joe Biden quote from, I think it was 30 years ago, where he said, we need to look at everything. Here's my response. I don't remember what you and I talked about on the radio 30 years ago, even though we have had conversations that long, I think. But I seriously doubt the world is the same and that you can hold somebody. I'm not going to hold you to some position you had 30 years ago. The world has changed. But yet that's the best they can do is say, well, you know, Joe Biden once was for this. Well, he was probably also for, you know, something other than vanilla ice cream. But now his tastes go to vanilla, for crying out loud. But you have McCarthy laying it down there, drawing the line in the sand. That's going to be hard to pull away from. That's as good as an H.W. Bush read my lips pledge. And look how that turned out. And it, by the way, it did not work well for McCarthy either. When in that speech and what you think would be, okay, this is an easy layup. You know, he goes out there just two years ago. We had, you know, people storming the Capitol and one of the biggest attacks that we, uh, you know, we've had. And McCarthy just doesn't even stand up for it. I'm like, I get it. You're still trying to pander to Trump. But my God, man, I mean, you can you can, you know, you can make that comment and, and acknowledge that it wasn't good that people stormed the Capitol. I don't know if other Republicans followed his lead or how many joined the Democrats. But see, again, most most did. Most most most, most 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 did. You know, you know, join the Democrats on that. There were a few people that didn't, but no. I mean, to to watch McCarthy, those right behind Biden, not do that. You know, not not stand up, not say anything. That was that was a bit of a bit of a starkness there. Well, and to the same, by the same token, I mean, McCarthy and Harris have history, both being California politicians, ambitious politicians. And from what I understand, he just did not utter a single word to her as they were waiting. Usually there's just a little bit of kibitzing or small talk. He apparently just turned his back to her. A couple of clips I saw, he looked like he was falling asleep up there, I, you know. 
Again, it's uh, the thing to do is to just make a list of the things that the president said were important to him. That is the platform for 2024. And whether it is him, and he certainly thinks it's going to be, or whether it is someone in waiting, that's the platform. That's Mm -hmm. what any Republican will be running against is what President Biden put forth last night is his laundry list. You and I have had a long discussion over the years about Republicans walking into the prop of the plane on the follow-up, <laughs> the follow-up you know, counter speech. It had a butte last night with Sarah Huckabee Sanders. You know, it. I get it, and I'm presuming this was pre-recorded. This was this was you know this was kind of one of those things they got out there. If you are going to use the line, the choice is between normal and crazy. You probably shouldn't do it. After it looked like, particularly led by Marjorie Taylor Greene, many of the Republicans looked like a freaking howler monkey exhibit and had to be piped down during this thing. Because if you, if you, because in context, sure, it's it's great line to have in there before the speech, but almost you want to look at them and say, guys, just wait until afterwards, and then someone should look at that line and say, you know what, it, you know, I get you want to do this. Let's take this out, considering what we just saw on the air. We probably shouldn't do this. You know, it was your standard rebuttal speech, especially in a non-election year, as extreme right-wing, anti-LGBTQ, anti-trans, anti-quote-unquote woke. But the reality is, is the line that stands up is the choice between normal and crazy. And then everyone that's posting a picture of it shows Marjorie Taylor Greene screaming like a freaking howler monkey. Well, you know, when, when the Iowa governor delivered the response, to me, it was much more of a, an aspirational positive, this is, this is a different viewpoint from how we have done it. That was, was one thing. This, from my understanding, was an absolute throw-down-the-gauntlet campaign speech. And whether the candidate was Trump or, in a future year, Sarah Huckabee Sanders herself, I don't know, but it was very much a campaign speech, and that's why these responses, quote-unquote, are stupid, because they're not a response. To your point, often they're taped. Certainly they're scripted, and there's never any ad-libbing to actual... I mean, I remember, because I'm old, but I remember back when they first started doing the other party response, and they literally would be a member who sat in the chamber, heard the speech... And then while the president was making his way out, would go to a separate studio in the Capitol and literally rebut. Yes. But that's not what they do anymore. Now it's just a, a and again, I don't care who the party is. They're, they're taped, they're canned, it's a stump speech, and it does nothing other than allow the politician, in this case the governor of Arkansas, to potentially lay claim to some higher aspirations or to really give her additional support back home for the agenda that she is just beginning to put in place because she's only been in office six weeks. Well, she definitely, I think she wants to be Trump's running mate. I honestly think that. Uh, I I will tell you what, let's take a break. Come on back. I want to touch on Mitt Mm -hmm. Romney. And then I also, speaking Mm -hmm. of the campaign, I want to talk about the first First big shot against DeSantis by Trump. We'll talk about that. Jeff Stein joining us, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. We'll take a break, come back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Move under my feet. I feel the sky tumbling down. 
Stein joining us. Jeff, Chiefs or Eagles, who are you taking? I don't care about that either. I'm really in a grumpy mood, aren't I? <laughs> you are, you are in prime form, my friend. No, it's 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 okay. I I, I personally am going. I'm going to pick Wayne Gretzky. He's the greatest. So you know, it's he's the one I'm taking See, in the I, game. I wondered if you were going to come up with this because I don't know that the audience who doesn't follow you on the Twitter machine knows this, but I think it was Week 11 of the NFL season. And you pointed out that the Vikings may have a good one-loss record, but they'd be one and done in the playoffs. So whatever you say as far as Sunday, I'm going to believe because you had the Vikings pegged. Of course, that's kind of a low-hanging fruit prediction yeah. given <laughs> 60 years of history, but okay. Uh, they're, not, they're not returning my calls over at the Vikings facility now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, speaking of not returning calls... Let's talk about yeah. Mitt Romney and George Santos. Holy, I don't know what Santos, I, I, I agree with Mitt Romney. You're a disgraced house rep. What are you doing out there trying to meet and greet like you're Ricardo Montalban on Fantasy Island? You need to just go sit in the back of the room and, and just kind of be quiet. And Romney tore into him so much so that Santos has come on, on the attack on Romney today. Well, I suppose if you're Santos, you know you're only there for a short time, and so it's kind of like the tourist in Las Vegas uh, who didn't expect to be there overnight. They, you know, go to the souvenir shop, get the disposable uh, camera, and take pictures of everything. That's really what it is, but truly, shouldn't he just kind of quietly go away as opposed to speaking from the floor, as opposed to um, really even showing up for work, quite honestly? Um, he said he didn't want to do committees. Well, he was forced to this. We talked about yeah. this last week until things got resolved. Well, again, mugging for the camera is not the way to keep a low profile. But who am I? You know, well, he, I mean, obviously he got elected to Congress and I didn't. Oh, wait, maybe with that resume, even I could have gotten elected to Congress. Uh, yeah. And by the way, I'm waiting for him to say, I've decided I'm not going to run again next term. I just I, I, can, <laughs> I, I can't wait for that to that speech. Uh, Trump went on the offensive, and uh, it kind of looks like he might have landed something. Uh, Ron DeSantis was a teacher at one point. He posted what allegedly were pictures of Santos with students, um, possibly sharing drinks, um, and and getting quite cozy with the students. And it, it's not a good look, to say the least. Now, Trump was very much more Trump with it and you know, throwing out allegations. But at the end of the day, you do have DeSantis here with students and alcohol in the picture, apparently. And, you know, DeSantis is the team DeSantis right now is kind of frantically trying to deal with this issue. Um, I still agree with you. Last week, you and I talked. This is Trump's to lose, but he could end up absolutely annihilating DeSantis, especially if there's stuff like this, skeletons like this in the closet. Well, and especially at a time that Trump himself is back uh, under investigation for payouts with Stormy Daniels. So it's kind of like, okay, I'll uh, I'll see uh, your porn star and raise you one underage drinking. I mean, that's what he's essentially doing. The tearing into DeSantis is not going to be difficult for Trump, whether he's got the stuff or not. If he does have the stuff, it's even better. But he's going to have to tread lightly when Nikki Haley and Tim Scott get in the race because of how that's going to look. And just because you disagree with a former boss, and that'd be the case for Haley and Pompeo, 
Um, that doesn't mean automatic disloyalty and you're dead to me, but that's how it is in Trump world, and we've talked about that from the start. Uh, DeSantis did reply, I mean, this is after asked about it, and of course the term that Trump used was a groomer, uh, after filibustering <laughs> his response to this. I spend my time delivering results for the people of Florida and funding against Joe Biden, that's how I spend my time. I don't spend my time trying to smear other Republicans. Uh, okay, if I remember, that's a non-denial denial. And it, it's, it's, it's like I said, if there is these pictures, if back when he was a teacher, there are multiple students with multiple pictures of Ron DeSantis with students and alcohol involved, that's not going to be an easy sell. I mean, it's, I, you and I already had the discussion about whether a guy from Florida could win. This doesn't help him. Well, no, it doesn't help him. And if it is true and he immediately says, yeah, and I was 25 at the time, and it was a big mistake. I don't know anything about the story. I'm just saying if he actually, you know, just diffuses it that way, well, that helps. Yeah. Uh, but it depends on what's there beyond this, because it's never one photo, is it? No. Jeff Stein, once again, uh, the Iowa Politics Report. I'll post that later on. And, of course, we'll spotlight this interview as well. Thanks, Jeff. Hour two, that's coming up next.